0: hello everybody and welcome to untether.tv your single source for deciphering the mobile experience i'm rob woodbridge your host and founder of course i'm here today with brian mannell and richard bagdonas co-founders at mahana at uh, you can check them out at getmahana.com, and we're here to talk about beacons baby there's so much confusion around the word beacon and what it does and we've got a perfect example of how beacons can help your business run more efficiently. It also kind of gives a great uh, example and maybe it stirs some ideas about how you can use these in your company as well. The idea here is if you ever wanted to know how long a wait is at your favorite restaurant, I always want to know that. I also want to know how long a wait is at my gym. I want to know how long a wait is for a shower in my gym, how busy the equipment is in my gym. I want to talk a little bit about the future of this, but have you ever wanted to know about the wait at a restaurant? Well. Lots of services out there do this, but it requires you to rip out your old infrastructure, put in a new infrastructure, train your staff, learn the system, charge crap, all that stuff that is just prohibitive to getting out there. Well, Mahana has a solution for that and much more. I'm gonna bring them in. Please, please, please welcome, in your on tether.tv way, Brian and Richard, the co-founders of Mahana. Guys, welcome.
1: Hi, how are you doing, Rob?
0: Thanks for doing this. You guys are like in, uh, where? You're in Austin? Sunny Austin, Texas. Yeah, well. I'm. It was rainy yesterday. It's sunny today. It never rains in Austin. That's what I've heard. No. Only during South by Southwest. Oh, (laughs) exactly. Well, that's just, that's, uh, you know, controlled. Somebody there is controlling the temperature to drive people and the weather to drive people into the actual events because uh, there's a whole bunch of people out there, but nobody actually inside watching the keynotes, especially when you're Canadian. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for doing this. You know, we were so impressed. We covered you on this week in location based marketing. Uh, we're so impressed with uh, the speed with which you guys emerged onto this space. Uh, certainly around uh, what you're doing in the restaurants and, and iBeacon. Um, why don't you give us an overview of what it is that you guys do, and th- then we're going to dive right into this.
2: Um, sure. So, um, you know, Richard and I started this company back in uh, August. Um, with the vision of trying to kind of transform the dining experience, make it make it better. We go out to eat at nice restaurants, like going out. We don't like to wait. Um, also didn't like the fact that, um, you know, places we would go frequently, every time we walked in, it was like we were a total stranger, right? So it was a little bit weird. It's like, this is the modern age, right? They should know I come here a lot. They should know I love the crispy fish. They should, it seems like they should know these things. They just don't. So... You know, Richard is really uh, a technical genius with point of sale integration uh, for all these systems in use by by restaurants, and there are a lot of them. Um, and so um, we uh, you know started this company with that vision in mind. Um, we've got the technical smarts, Richard and I are both uh, experienced entrepreneurs. Um, but we we needed the industry expertise too, so we, we crafted in, uh, some industry experts as advisors to help us figure out what the solution was going to be, uh, what business problems that we could solve. and um, The result has come out to be a Mahana, so it's a relatively simple app. Now, right now, it only works in Austin, Texas right now. This is our test market, so we're still very fresh, paint's fresh. Um, So we launched around, it didn't really launch, but we started around South by Southwest. So it works in Austin if you're here, but you download the app, you connect it to your Facebook uh, account, and uh, the app pulls in your picture and your name, uh, your birth dates and basic stuff about you. And then the app helps you discover the wait times at restaurants. We crowdsource that information. Uh, We load the menus in so you can sort of see what's close to you. You Get a little map view um, of uh, the space around you. You can figure out where to go. Helps you plan your evening, right? It's like, how much time do I have before my show or the movie? Um, And how long is the wait time? You can sort of plan um, your, your day better at a glance without having to call a whole bunch of restaurants to find out. Or worse yet, you already valley parked. You got in, like, oh, it's an hour and a half, and you're like, oh, i got a movie to go to. I can't make an hour and a half. And then you're stuck because you're already there. Like, what are you going to do? So, um, so it's relatively useful from that pr- um, perspective. Um, but then, you know, we have that information. and We use the beacons. We put, we put a beacon at every restaurant um, that we work with that participates with Mahana. And really what the beacon does for us is we don't have to ask you to whip out an app and do a check-in and, you know, do all sorts of things. Um, with uh, iOS 7.1 actually um, our app works in the background and uh, and knows that you we know who you are, we got your picture and name, we know you're at that restaurant because the beacon has that very sensitive proximity awareness, um, so we place you there. Um, so you don't have to really actually do anything to sort of get those benefits. So we can actually pop up your picture at the restaurant and your name and stuff about you that they know um, without you actually doing anything. So it's kind of like magic when it all works. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of the cool thing about Technology when um, when uh, you make it simple, seamless in the background, and uh, you don't have to do anything to get it to work. So, um, so that's kind of the basics of Mahana and.
0: Uh, and this was this was completely inspired by the fact that you guys like to go out and you don't like to wait.
2: Richard has a great story about uh, uh, eating out routinely to see how long it took before they recognized who he was. If if you want. <laughs>
0: this is a social experiment.
2: Yeah,
1: Rob. It was uh, it was rather interesting. So. Um, every Monday I would go to one restaurant for lunch and order the exact same thing with uh, one of my friends and Tuesday we would go to a different restaurant and order the same thing at that restaurant. Um, at the first restaurant it took 42 weeks before they didn't ask us if we needed a menu. Forty-two uh, and they weeks? Yeah, yeah. So what it turned out was we knew more about the restaurant than the restaurant knew about us. Uh, and that's a shame because what we want to do is we want to feel special when we go to a restaurant. We want to feel like, you know, they know us by name. They know us by face and they want to treat us well because we're regular customers of theirs. Was it the same server that, uh, that served you
0: pretty much every Monday? Pretty much. Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> and what about the second restaurant? Uh, the second restaurant, I took about 30 to 35 times. Wow. wow. But the winner was clearly 42 weeks. And then after that, and we kept going. Uh, we wanted to see if they would just, if, if this would be a continuing thing, and uh, it did. And then, you know, you, you don't go there for a few months, you come back, and they would still remember us and say, ah, your combination plate A, extra spicy. Wicked.
0: So, I, I mean, what does it take? Like, those numbers are relatively close to each other. Um, but is this just a human failing, or is this something that, that what explains that? What do you think? Um,
2: You know, it's hard to be a restaurant, right? So one of our advisors, who's a GM at a local restaurant, he describes Mahana as like that little whisper in my ear that tells me something, right? right? So it's hard to remember, you know, they see hundreds of people a day, um, hard to remember the name and what they had and what they liked and whatever, really, really difficult actually. So it's really um, just provides a way the technology helps to refresh your memory. Um, And then sometimes with a few uh, refreshers about someone's, you know, their, their name and maybe what they had before, what they liked. You might remember some other things about him, and you can just sort of personalize that greeting and, um, you know, it might kick in a genuine memory of like, oh, now I remember now. I just couldn't remember his name. Like, I remember he loved uh, that he didn't like ice in his drink, but I just couldn't remember the guy's name, right? But now I know, and I can take a note or, you know, whatever. So it's kind of a memory jogger in a way.
0: You know, I uh, this is it's so fascinating because I've done the same thing, and maybe not as an experiment, but as I think back, um, you, you know, there, there's small customer service touches like that, the prompts, right? That that kind of open up a, a floodgate of memories, and and uh, you know, once that happens, it seems to stick. And and I use a I have a local meat shop that I go to around around the corner from here, and and I go, um, we've been living in this neighborhood maybe for six years, seven years, and. Um, We've, we've been going there. I've been going there once a week for that long, and uh, I don't know when it's you know it, it turned, but um, you know there's a loyalty card that comes with this place, and uh, you usually need to provide your phone number. Now the guy at the cash, because I go in on the same day every week for so long, he remembers my phone number now. Kind of creep. <laughs> kind of creepy.
1: <laughs> but I remember the first credit card I ever had. I have never remembered a single
2: number since then. That's it's weird. it's one of those things that some people have it. They just remember everything. Wow. It always amazes me the, the cashier's at the grocery store they look at your produce and like, oh bananas, that's four oh one one. Like yeah. and there's yeah. thousands of products, right? So I mean people have the capacity to remember a lot of things, but there are just there are a lot of guests and, and you might go to a nice restaurant, maybe go once or twice a month, right? But still they've seen hundreds of guests between you. So it's it's it would be very hard.
0: Let me ask you like how how do you think that this Kind of uh, a melding of technology, social location, everything that you're talking about here—that kind of uh, you know culminates in the beacon, and then the prompt to the restaurateur or the the or the hostess or the waiter or whoever it might be the owner. Uh, how do you think that this changes re- the restaurant experience?
1: You know, from my perspective, the you know my wife and I go out every Friday night. We have our babysitter come over, and we're out on a date. Um, we want to feel special. Um, and we patronize the same restaurants, you know, we have a rotation that we go through. Um, what, what really changes the experience is not the food, because the food is awesome. Mm-hmm. Not the service when you're at the table, because the servers are, are great. It's not the payment portion of it. The, the two things are the high and buy. So when we walk in the restaurant and they say, ah, Richard, great to see you again. Hey, you haven't been here in like two weeks. Um, and, oh, by the way, Tina, yeah, we know you're gluten-free, we'll have a gluten-free menu at the table. And, by the way, we have this special tonight that's gluten-free. That, that wins our hearts and our minds and our bellies.
2: Has that ever happened? Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Good. We've this philosophy about, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you walk in the door and I don't know anything about you, I can provide service, right? I can be attentive, I can keep your water glass full, um, ask you if you need anything, and that only goes so far. But if I know how you come in, I know some dishes that you've liked, I know some wines you've tried that you enjoyed, then it becomes more of a two-way dialogue. I know about you. I can provide real hospitality to you and say, you know, hey, last time you ordered the shrimp scampi and you loved it. Well, I've got this new thing if you like that. I got something for you you'd really like, right? Or you really enjoyed this this wine cuz you thought it was dry and white. I got a new one on the list that just came in. You might enjoy it. Then, now we're talking, right, now it's like service. Now this is like, you know, more special to me because the, the servers we've discovered, I think, know a ton of information. They, they taste items that come out of the, sh- the kitchen. They know lots of things. They not about you, right? So if they actually knew something about you, they can actually provide a wealth of information to make your whole experience much, much better. You know, they, and, and Rob, they say yep. that a service
1: is a monologue, hospitality is the dialogue. That's great, what a great saying.
0: Because, uh, you, you know, that, it just it just strikes me that we're in this age of uh, infinite choice, right? And, and, and certainly technology has made it these these devices that we carry has, has made it very easy to find alternatives on the fly right like you may have decided that you're going to go to a restaurant but the line might be too long or the wait might be too long and it only takes a matter of moments to find a replacement for that restaurant and jeopardize the relationship that you have already created with a restaurant that is forcing you to wait right so I think that there's there's that kind of the dehumanizing piece of technology which would allows you to find a replacement as callous as it might say is like that food is great but I can find something over here that's equivalent and I'm gonna go over here now Um, so I think that that in store, in restaurant experience is so vitally important that will you know when there is a forty minute wait, or a one hour wait, you're going to do it because you know it, it's a it's an open embrace when you walk in. That's is, is that the goal of what you guys are trying are creating here?
2: Yeah, that's you know, Mahana means warm in Hawaiian, right? Warm and inviting. So that's really the, that's the the entire goal. I think service, you know, if, if if I go into a restaurant and um, maybe the food wasn't all that great, it's very, very hard to trot out 350 plates a night and have everyone be spot on, yeah. right? Um, if maybe the food wasn't perfect, a little bit salty, whatever. But if when I walked in, they greeted me by name, they had my margarita on the rocks, no salt, making at the bar when I walk in, I can overlook a bunch of things, right, mm-hmm. if that service element is there. So um, so it's it's really – we're trying to you know almost – it's hard at scale, but you know, restore that era when you you know, as like you, you walk into the local meat store, they know you, they know your number, they know what you ordered last time, and whatever. Like trying to restore that very um, personal element of, of of old school commerce uh, back into our lives again.
0: Leveraging behind the scenes technology that's pretty damn advanced.
2: <laughs> yeah, leveraging right. a little tiny computer plugged in the wall. Well, that's so. You
0: you guys come from uh, what, what is your background? You're not from the from the restaurant industry.
1: Um, well, for the last four years. My background has been in point-of-sale integration with restaurant hospitality systems. Gotcha. So all the systems there. Um, previous to that, you know, it's been a focus on integration with back-end systems, and you know, you can
2: kind of take that back 20 years. Uh, for Brian, you know, right. I'm a serial technology entrepreneur, right? So uh, don't know a whole lot about restaurants, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, know how to start up tech companies and uh, and work with technology. So.
0: Yeah, and so you've obviously, you from the entrepreneurial standpoint, just looked at this as, a, as a, just a giant opportunity.
1: Well, we talked to the restaurants. It's kind of funny because um, in the four years that I've been doing work with restaurants and restaurant technology, never once did a, uh, a, a restaurant say, I have a problem with people paying with credit cards. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> a credit card works every time. If I set it down and they swipe it, they get a binary result. It's either yeah. going to work or it's not. The biggest problem they have is credit card fees around uh, making payments with credit cards. Well, we can't solve for credit card fees. If anything, we're going to add additional cost if we try to build a payment solution. But the biggest problem that the restaurants had is they have an empty seat, and they're willing to pay the credit card fees if somebody was sitting there and they could sell them a hundred dollars worth of food, or ten dollars worth of food, or any amount bigger than zero. And so what Mahana looks to do is fill the gaps for the restaurateurs and fill the uh, you know and put butts in seats. I guess is the
2: easiest way to explain it.
0: Yeah, their 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 seatings are expiring inventory.
1: Absolutely, right? you just can't get it back.
2: Yeah. yeah, savvy restaurateurs look at an empty chair and they know in their minds how much that's costing them to have that seat empty. So um, yeah, there's a real cost to it. It's they're like an empty to pay hotel room.
0: Yeah, or an empty seat on a flight. Yep. Absolutely. Which is luxury for the guy sitting next to that empty seat, but uh, <laughs> painful. Uh, so, you guys are not, uh, how did you guys meet? Did you guys know each other before this? How did you guys become founders together for this uh, initiative?
2: Yeah, we actually met like, it's been 18, 19 years, <laughs> something, something like, like that. that. So, <laughs> both of us have been in Austin about 19 years, and we both, we, we met right about the time that we both had moved to Austin. So, I had a company um, I started in Austin called Proficient. And '97, which we IPO'd in 1999, um, one of my employees was a good friend of Richards, and so we met socially um, and just sort of, you know, hit it off. Kept in touch. Always sort of did things, and we always wanted to work in a company together. And just the c- cycles never quite worked right. When I was ready to start something new, he was in the middle of something you know, he was very involved in, and so the uh, our biorhythms just sort of came together uh, for this one. So it's it's been great.
0: Uh, a lot of that must have to do with, with the idea, right? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I'm an entrepreneur in my life. And I've looked at opportunities. I've been involved in opportunities where I'm kind of like, meh, eh. Like, you know, I like the people, but it's like, ah, no, I'm not interested in that idea. But if there's, there's got to be some idea that, that maybe the ideas weren't right for you guys to work together. But this one just kind of maybe it's time, maybe it's coincidence. But there has to be something beyond, uh, you know, that that cycle to say, yeah, yeah,
1: I'm in because you've got to believe in this idea, right? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is it's kind of the difference between the horse and the jockey. And we like to say, you know, you want to you want to bet on the jockey because the jockey can help adjust the horse on its path. Um, if you, if all you do is you I bet on the to horse. I just want to know
0: who's who's the horse and who's the jockey in this. Race. <laughs> I was just going to say
1: <laughs> Well, I would say the uh, the company is the horse okay. and the okay. product, and the product that. is the horse. Yeah. And uh, I guess we're co-jockeys. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I mean, I ask that
0: because, you know, a lot of the questions that come up from these conversations is like, you know, uh, co-founders. I mean, it's very difficult to find a co-founder with, with, the, with the right te- skills. Most people are looking for a, tech, uh, you know, a technology co-founder. Unfortunately, this skill of starting a business is, is, is uh, diminished without a great technical co-founder, right? Um, and that's because they're, they, somebody should put a market like a LinkedIn for technical co-founders, um, a meat market. Uh, grinder for for co-founders, right? right so <laughs> down the
1: street from you, I believe, is a meat market, but uh, exactly. they don't have technical co-founders there. Well, he has a
0: phone, he has my phone number though, so he can call anytime. Um yeah, so this this is this is evolved into this. And then you did the right thing which was go out and find some uh, advisors to be able to help you from the restaurant, the core restaurant standpoint. Um did they and, and you found some investors, right? You have got uh, angel round, is that what you've got or is it uh, seed or
2: yeah, it's seed money, so it's the first, you know, it's uh, the first, first money, money in. Now. So it's it's really angel investment at this point. So we're um, we're uh, more than halfway through the process. We have lots of interest, luckily. So yeah. we're uh, we're picking and choosing carefully.
0: Was it hard to convince not only your advisors but also the investors to put put dollars in uh, to an idea uh, as as young as this and a technology as young as this?
2: Um, luckily, Austin is a big tech town. Yeah. So there are people who made good money in technology, understand technology as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, it helps to have built successful companies in the past, have a track record, as Richard said, like a lot of them bet on the jockey rather than the horse. So yeah. um, if you have a really strong vision of where you're going and they, you know, understand you guys as, as talented entrepreneurs, um, you know, that certainly helps, uh, I would imagine. Yeah.
0: Well, an IPO is, is nothing to sneeze about right that, that's that's pretty monumental um so yeah i think that the team has got to play into this quite quite effectively all right so back to so now you've you've uh, you've launched um you you said you went you went to a gradual rollout you didn't tell anybody about it. you're doing some testing first customer hard to, to find hard to convince like walk through that experience
2: yeah so uh, it's kind of a funny story but um you know so we we knew some people that had some restaurants in town one of them was an advisor of ours, so he started some of the most successful restaurants in Austin um and you know let us use his uh one of the restaurants as a test Great. bed and so it helped to have a you know get his coaching and advice on what we should deliver and what it should look like and how it should work and those sorts of things um but uh so I so Richard is a cTO you know writes all the code I you know sort of go on the sales calls talk to customers those sorts of things. So my first meeting with my first restaurant, not a friendly, but someone we just, you know, tracked down and went and met with, um, we spent, like, an hour discussing Mahana and what it did and why and how it worked, all those sorts of things. Um, And uh, so it was, you know, it was great because, you know, I'm enthusiastic about it. You know, I got them excited about it. It was interesting. But as time went on, I got the pitch down to, like, 15 minutes. So I'd walk in the door within 15 minutes, like I'd boil it down to its essence, like here's why you want to do this. And they're like, great, I'm in. And it's, you know, so the, the sales cycle got a lot faster from, uh, from an hour down to 15 minutes. I, so, uh, are you
0: selling this? Like, are you selling that as we were talking about, like this expiring inventory? Are you selling this as a relationship builder? Uh, does it change per restaurant that you go into? Um,
2: not really. So the, the thing that restaurants really want to know is they don't, none of them really know who their best customers are. Everybody walks in the door, they're a total stranger. Yeah. And so they don't know if they should give them the best table in the restaurant. They don't know if they should uh, bump them up on the wait list. They don't know if they should buy them an appetizer while they're waiting at the bar or have the executive chef come out and try out a free dessert to try or whatever. They don't know anything to do with anybody, right? So they're they're desperate to know the information. So really the the promise and with seeing the, uh, sort of a demo of how the solution works um, showing them that they can get to know who their best customers are and then they can reach out to them, right, in a very segmented and targeted fashion is exciting to them. That's really what sells it is that they just don't know but they want to know. At first we thought restaurants had a marketing problem and we sort of asked them, like, well, give us a list of your, like, 500 best customers and we'll help you market more effectively. And They're like, oh, (laughs) well, we don't actually know who they are. We just know that, you know… It's the one in front of us right now. Yeah, they exist. But yeah. they just don't know. Which They're like ones unicorns, it. like you know. <laughs> We've seen them somewhere, right? And we know they come in, but I couldn't pinpoint them you know, do you until mean the last check comes. Night? Do you mean like the guy yeah. last night that spent the most money? Is that that's kind of how you judge your your best well, customers? Well, you know, when you when the when you ring up the tab, you can sort of look at the number and go, "Wow, these guys ran a big tab. They had a three hundred dollar bottle of wine or whatever." Well, it's too late to, to do anything for them, right? It's like they've already spent the money. Um, you can maybe. Come out with a you know little coupon and come back again or whatever, but it's like it's sort of too late then to provide awesome service to them. So you know we help them move that process forward to know know who they are, um, you know when they walk in the door. Do
0: they have the capacity? Uh, You know restaurants. I've often thought. I mean I spent I spent years in the restaurants. I was a bartender and a waiter in a number of restaurants, and that's how I put myself through. I've never made that much money since right since working in in the restaurant industry. but, but, you know, I, I had my regulars uh, that, that I recognized quite frequently that, that you know, because, you know, my, my scope or my vision was either the length of the bar or, you know, the eight tables that I was waiting on that day. When people kept on coming back in, you started to it didn't take me 42 weeks to recognize a regular. Um, but but that, you know, I always think that the restaurants have their business, right? They understand their business, which is, you know, which is ordering the food prepping the food, making the menu, seating people, serving the food, and then sending them on their way. Uh, the last thing I think about is uh, the understanding that they, that well, the last thing I think about really is that do they have the understanding to take the data that you're providing and do something with it? And do they have the time to be able to go out and, and
2: be effective with the big amount of data that you're going to be pushing their way? Sure. It could be something as simple as when somebody walks in the restaurant, their information pops up. And the host or hostess, as they're showing them to a table, um, taps the server on their shoulder and says, by the way, you know, Bill is a big wine buyer. You might want to send a Somalia over, gotcha. right? Even something as simple as that can, can work wonders. Um, you know, the GM, we have an app uh, for GM's phones that keep in their back pocket. And they can even set alerts. You know, when the mayor comes in, set an alert and let me know every time he comes in and buzz my phone. I might be in the back. I might be fighting a fire somewhere else, but buzz me and let me know, right? Um, So it might be just something simple, just to sort of point out, um, you know, that someone, uh, you know, this person is gluten free. You know, get the menu. Um, So it can be even something subtle can make a huge difference in someone's experience.
0: Do you worry about uh, some
1: privacy issues, like, uh, hey, this guy's an alcoholic? Don't serve him. The um, you know the regulatory aspects of what we do, um, we we try to stay away from regulatory. We try to stay away from requiring the restaurant to operationalize something that may be difficult in nature. Um, a warm handshake, a hug, a greeting of some sort is pretty easy to operationalize. Mm-hmm. Um, going far beyond that is probably um, out of our scope because our goal at Mahana is to make um, make the opportunity for the restaurant to recognize you when you come in rather than try to catch you as you're leaving.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's the transition that's happening here is that, yeah, it's easy to, uh, to thank them on the way out, as you said, when they've spent this much money. But, uh, you know, I just keep thinking that there's probably every table, there's a loss of revenue on every table as a result of not knowing who's sitting there.
1: Absolutely. And if you think about it, Rob, um, when you and I go to dinner, at the end of dinner, we're not going to order another thing. We leave, we go to a movie, do whatever else. There's an opportunity while we're there, for us to maybe try something special. Maybe we didn't get an appetizer because we just didn't, you know, we we just didn't think about it. And if they knew that we love scallops and they had a scallop ceviche, and they said, "Hey, you got to really try this scallop ceviche. It's awesome," um, they can actually, because the server is the salesperson, they can guide us through their menu to find the things that we will love, and they can wow and delight us uh, to our heart's extent. But once we're gone, we're gone. Yeah. And we took up that seat for an hour. And, we, you know, at Mahana, we give them the opportunity to learn about their consumer so they can have the consumer enjoy everything to the fullest extent. What, I mean, have you thought, why,
0: hmm, why restaurants? You know, there, there, there's so many other opportunities. I brought it up in the introduction when I think, like, you know, the gym would be a perfect thing because, you know, I went yesterday and it was 4 o'clock. And guess what? Everybody goes at 4 o'clock right I I know that but I didn't realize that it's like three meatheads deep to get to the squat bar right that this is going to be instead of a 45 minute experience it's going to be an hour and 45 minutes of frustration and smelly sweatiness right so um, you know was it just that it was your familiarity, uh, Richard, with the with the POS? Was it that this was like an obvious play, um, that this was a big pain for them? This is going to be my last question about this because I want to talk about the technology in a second.
1: No problem. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think we all carry a credit card in our pocket. Mm-hmm. And when I go to Neiman Marcus, they see this credit card pop up three times a year. You really can't build that much of a graph on somebody from uh, that infrequent, um, them coming in. Now, you go to one gym, and one gym only, and you, usually you go by yourself.
0: It mm-hmm.
1: uh, turns out this credit card that I have is used at various restaurants throughout the week. It might be used at breakfast one morning, lunch, and then dinner at the same, in the same day. That is a lot of data points to collect about somebody, including what I like and dislike, um, especially the things that I tend to um, purchase when it's on a menu. Like I love beef short ribs when they're on the menu. And I love ceviche when it's on the menu. Um, So we chose the restaurant industry because it's an opportunity for us to learn about the consumer in every aspect of their eating life and they tend to do that in a social environment. So, you know, my wife is usually at dinner with me. My son is usually at dinner with me. Brian's usually at lunch with me.
2: (laughs) Right. A lot more transactions. So there's a lot more chance to learn about somebody, what they like, what they don't like. uh, than in than in retail, for instance, and then and we do see a lot of people when sort of the beacons first started to hit, we saw a lot of activity in retail, yeah. and we really didn't see any activity in restaurants at all. And you know that's really you know Richard's technical uh, deep expertise. <clears throat> so we just saw a place to go where nobody was really heading yet. And then we just saw more transactions, so more of a chance to actually get relevant data that um, about people's preferences. Did you
0: start with restaurants? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think I'm getting to this, getting to a point eventually. You know, 30 minutes into this, is that did you st- when when you were I you know ideating or trying to figure out what it was that you guys were going to do? Did you start with restaurants? Did you start with a grand plan? A, Listen, we want to start with iBeacons. We want to do something in this space. I mean, how did that conversation start? How did the the business idea pop up?
2: Yeah, we started with restaurants um, uh, because we had the deep uh, point of sale of technical expertise yeah. with them, and then um, we tried to figure out, uh, you know, really what the business problems were, and then how to apply technology and the technology we had to solve them. Gotcha. Uh, and so, so it really did it, started already started in the industry, and uh, the solution kind of meandered, but um, we we had the foundation, which was that item level detail in the point of sale that we knew we wanted to leverage in some way.
0: All right. So how does this work? Like, so you, you've alluded to this. You, you download the application, uh, the Mahana app, um, and uh, and it uh, it interacts with a beacon that you have uh, uh, basically plugged into all the the restaurants that are that are involved in. It. Is that the beacon right there?
1: That is the beacon. Th- I, is I don't it. know if you hear the, uh, the the glowing aura around it, but that
2: is our I'll saving grace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and
0: basically the, that's a beacon with a. It's a USB uh, uh, plug, right? So that's yeah. how big it is. Funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the funny part is uh, the actual beacon portion is teeny. It's like smaller <laughs> than your thumbnail. But when you add the USB connector, the USB connector is like three times the size of the beacon. Yep. And then when you add the power supply, the power supply is 20 times the size of the power, USB and the beacon. So they're actually very, very small. But um, uh, You go from that on your left to
1: that on your right, As far, but it's still tiny. It's, yeah, it's small enough. Yeah, it, it, okay. it's Absolutely. not... But it doesn't require
0: like a, a transformation in the systems that these people use, right? You, you just plug it into the wall and uh, and and it does it. I mean, so uh, these are off-the-shelf beacons that you've just programmed. Um?
2: Yeah, yeah. We've gone through a couple. Um, Richard brought a variety of some of the things we, we actually started out with one. We we custom manufactured these in China. Uh, it takes a very thin like CR16 battery or something like that mm-hmm. on the inside, so it's a battery-powered beacon, really unobtrusive. We would just put sticky tape on them and stick them somewhere like. By the exit sign yeah, I mean, or, you know, whatever. These
1: guys are, are tiny. I mean, yeah, like, the, the board and the chip are almost nothing. Yeah, really thin.
2: That was kind of cool, but the, the, we discovered the batteries didn't last very long. So we actually migrated <laughs> to one that had a thicker battery on it, it <laughs> but it was sort of like double that size. That lasted a little bit longer. Um, and then, um, you know, even uh, we used a uh, looked at Qualcomm beacons for a while. This is Qualcomm's, uh, you probably see these a yeah, lot at the trade gimbals. shows and whatever, so really cool because they're cheap, I think like five bucks. But we eventually discovered that we didn't want to go change batteries out all over town. Not scalable. Not scalable. A a powered beacon, right? So that's how we found uh, these beacons. Uh, A little plug for uh, Radius Networks, who supplies our beacons for us, these um, little USB ones.
1: That's great. And, And Rob, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out this beacon stuff. And when you look at production level systems that are actually using beacons out in the wild. Um, there's very few companies that are actually doing it mm-hmm. and we're seeing a lot of interest in Mahana from the fact that we've learned all these lessons and they don't have to learn them themselves. So uh, we get to skin our knees up front so that way other people don't have to later. So the lessons that you've learned is that
0: you, you don't want to go and change batteries across the city? I don't want to learn the failure rates of a Duracell battery. Oh, no, you do not, right? Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think that, that, uh, that, that are the most challenging is that, you know, the promise of this technology is wonderful. The maintenance of this technology is a nightmare to scale, right? Absolutely. So you can mail people. You can set this up. Like you're in Austin, but you're going to go across the United States, maybe up here into Canada. But uh, the idea of then putting feet on the street in order to be able to or, or training somebody in the restaurant to be able to add this to their new, a new task to their already uh, huge task list to go and change
1: the batteries every month, uh, not going to happen. Well, I mean, the thing is, this thing is tiny, and what we would do is we would put a little sticky tape on the back of it and stick it somewhere. Well, when it's broadcasting, you can actually figure out how far away you are from the beacon, but once that beacon battery dies, (laughs) go find this in your (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) You're
0: looking for a little white flat thing stuck to the wall, or maybe it's fallen behind a chair because the sticky tape
2: is worn off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Richard has some actual clever stuff in our early beacons, our battery-powered ones, that every time our app hit the beacon, it would actually get the battery life That's from really the beacon smart. and report it back to us, so we'd actually know when they were running low. But we still didn't want to go change them.
0: No, yeah. no,
1: and, and so you know, how long did it take you to figure that out? Uh, th- I was actually learning the failure rates on the batteries. You know, we had, we actually were going back and forth with the restaurants that we had in our pilot. So we would go in, we would put a new uh, a beacon in and then we'd figure out that the battery would drain out after seven days so we'd go back in and put a different lithium battery in and try to do that so it was several months of learning to be able to identify the fact that batteries
2: suck. (laughs) Yeah, and we needed more and more of these vendors to come up with powered beacon options for us to look at, you know, variety and figure out what the right thing for us was so, um, you know, all those companies are young too, right? They're figuring it out, they're Doing different form factors, from battery to plug-in, plugging with Wi-Fi backhaul, with you know um, other data network uh, aspects. Of, I mean, so that whole landscape is is changing as well. So you know they're all figuring out too. So um, you know it took a while just to see more products out there in the market um, in terms of the beacons. It's
0: always the challenge of being on the leading edge, right? Where you're 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 trying to build a software that that overcomes all of the inadequacies of the hardware, and then something like that comes along where where oh look, it's a, you, you can plug it into a power source, USB based. Oh. There, there was a, there
1: was a, there was a definite <laughs> <laughs> that exactly. popped up when we saw these things.
0: That's amazing. So, I mean, that alleviates one of the other, one of the big pains, which is battery and, and consumption. And and you know, the way that that a beacon works is that you know you, you can say it, you can set it to a uh, close proximity, but and it extends the battery, um, you know, lifespan. But it also means that you're not broadcasting far enough to reach everybody who who steps into the uh, into the into the restaurant.
1: Absolutely. I mean there's a couple things you can tweak. So one is how many times a second or how many times a minute do I want to broadcast the signal? Yeah. Uh, but it turns out and we learned on early on that with Apple sometimes if it's in a background mode it takes a little longer for it to hear the beacon um, especially if the app is completely off. It takes a little little bit longer. Well you want to broadcast as many times a second as possible to overcome that. Well you're draining the battery down as part of that so it's adding to the mix and then of course you can Determine how far you want to transmit it, and depending on where the battery, where the beacon is, and where the front door is, the beacon may not always be by the front door. Uh, So you know everything was going against us when it came to batteries. And then when we we found the plug-in type, I mean, you're right. The changed uh, everything. It changed the world for us.
0: And so uh, you know, I, I always think about this is that. How do you, uh, did you ever think about, uh, with iOS, I know that, y- are you guys looking at Android? Uh, uh, yeah, we're currently building the Mahana for Android right okay. now. Okay, uh, but, but for iOS, you know, the idea of an app is always a challenge for me, right? Because you have to now market that app as a separate entity. Uh, you know, not the, it's not the restaurants app, right? It's the Mahana app where you have to then put marketing dollars in to get this and then make sure that the restaurant supported, all that kind of stuff. So it's like you're running two businesses at the same time. You're selling to the restaurants, and then you have to convince a restaurateur uh, that they're going to, uh, you're going to convince their, their patrons to go and download the application in order for this to function properly. So I, I'm going to assume you're leveraging their... Uh, their broadcast as well to be able to go and download the application, but that's that's two separate business. Have you ever thought, like, did you look at at integrating with with Passbook or or something along those lines to be able to look for native applications or even the restaurants apps themselves?
2: Yeah, that was actually one of our first thoughts was uh. how do we partner with somebody that already has some market share on the phone deck, yeah. right? Yep. But the challenge there is that um, you know your person your user agreement with. Uh, you know, a check-in type app says that, you know, I've agreed to let this check-in app see my information. Well, if we piggyback off that and we get someone's email address, whatever, and then all of a sudden we say, hey, by the way, thanks for coming into whatever uh, restaurant, and yeah. it comes from Mahana. They're like, who, who gave you? Mahana my yeah. information, right? So we just can't, unless we have our own app, we could not get the um, the user data that we needed to make the service relevant and interesting.
0: Has it been a challenge to get your uh, the your app out there with the restaurants that you're using currently?
2: You're in? Um, So we've discovered that restaurants really want this information. So as I mentioned, you know, we've got down to like a 10 to 15 minute meeting and then they're like, yes, I'm in, let me do it. Um, And then consumers are consumers, right? Consumers are fickle, right? So we we have the same challenges as any other consumer mobile app to get uh, to get consumer adoption get them to use it, get them to want to come back know again and again so, so how um, do you do
0: it like you I mean I know that you, you, you've uh, on your website you talk about loyalty for the restaurant right so that the, the restaurant has the ability to uh, to treat you like a loyal customer which is the best thing like I always think that you never disc you, you might discount to get you in but you never discount the second stay. like you discount the third or the fourth or the tenth right because that's loyalty to me you don't reward everybody who has only been there ten
1: times like you 42 times Richard you should be rewarded heavily right um, right. and if you rewarded me with a discount the first time I came in you're actually kind of hurting your price point yeah because reputation. the second time I come in I'm gonna value your uh, your meal at that price yeah right?
0: well, and that's uh, I, I had a friend who was a restaurateur. He, he runs a really successful Italian restaurant up here and uh, um, we he started it when we were in our 20s and he was in his 20s and uh, he struggled right he, he, he used to deliver sandwiches to us because it was five bucks that he would make right he was a, he was a hustler like that and, and truly appreciated. Uh, what he did because we were so lazy. Um, if he wanted our business, he'd have to deliver a sandwich to our house uh, and then accept a post dated check because we were so broke, right <laughs> It's like an eight dollar an $8 order. He'd spend like you know he'd get on his bike and he'd bike like eight kilometers uh, to our house and then <laughs> post dated checks. but that's the, you know that's what it takes to start a restaurant right and um, but then when he started to get successful, we'd go in there quite often. We were loyal patrons of his restaurants and he would never, ever buy us even a cup of coffee. And it started to, you know, 15 years we've been going to that restaurant, never buy us a cup of coffee. And I finally asked him and he said, uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I put all my effort into you guys at the beginning of this relationship. Screw you. You can afford it. I, I'm doing the same thing. I, I'm rewarding those people who didn't write me post-dated checks that bounced, right? <laughs> it's a good thing we're friends, but um, at least we were. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is, this is that, whole, that whole process of, of, uh, of creating a relationship. Um, but how do you get them... Us, the average consumer, to download your app? What's the benefit to them?
2: Right. Um, you know, the we've done a little bit of surveys of people, right? So when we came to the wait times, when we surveyed people, that was like the number one requested thing was wow. they want to know how long is the wait, um, don't want to be on the wait list. Um, so it was number one. So we said, okay, let's make that a focus of the app. Um, but uh, so getting people to download is definitely, definitely a challenge, um, you know, like any app. And, you know, we're, you know, three weeks into this app being in the wild. So Um, This is that fun time in a startup where you run, like, 20 different experiments to see what works, and you ride the winners and you cut the losers. Um, But one thing that's been beneficial is the restaurants actually are willing to um, help us to market the app to their patrons. So they realize that people that have the app, they know more about them. Hmm. So we've got some uh, some point of purchase uh, things, kind of like a, a Foursquare sticker or a Google Places sticker uh, at the restaurant. they let us put a Mahana sticker there, let people know um, about the app that it works there, and it's got our getmahana.com on it. Um, they'll do things where they will um, they'll slip into the bill a little invitation to invite you to Mahana. Sometimes maybe selectively, if you were a high value customer, like hey, by the way, this is how we sort of track and work with our better customers. Um, and uh, lots of them have uh, email lists they collect. Right. So thousands and thousands of email addresses, and they put out, you know, stuff twice a month about brunch special or whatever it is. And they've been very, very willing to include some materials about Mahana into their email blast to their uh, to their customers. So um, so that's helpful. Uh, it's a, basically, it's like a channel for us, right, to mm-hmm. help get consumers aware of, of the app. But um, But we're... We're trying a whole bunch of different things to figure out what works to get consumers to, to download it. That's the first challenge: download, right? And then number two is make it more engaging, make it more interesting, make it more useful. So um, we have a long list of things that people uh, sort of would like to have, you know, in the app. And it's our job to balance those with um, keeping the app simple and elegant um, and useful without cluttering up the interface and everything else. So um, you know no difference in the other sort of consumer mobile development uh, challenge really
0: yeah it's it, i mean i think it's a, it's a it's a pretty big it's a pretty big challenge uh, you, you know you technical implementation technology uh, is um, is something that you know you, you know it's it, there's a start and an end, and you understand it. You can build it, and, and it'll work, and, and it functions properly, and, and getting it into as many hands as possible, uh, you know, that's in this app economy. It's just like it's so very difficult to rise above the cream. Um, but I think that you know, it must be difficult. Um, Like I was, project a little bit forward here. Is that you, you start to think about the data that you're collecting and the data you're providing to the restaurants? It's an entirely different business at that point, right? Where where you are actually giving them deep insight into their own businesses, and then you're also we talked about it a second ago which was uh, you know expiring inventory where you you now can actually influence that empty seat you can you can get somebody when you have enough mass using that application in in a yep. city in a city you can actually now move people into seats and really 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 have a massive impact of uh, of new business for those businesses which would be right. very cool you have a hard time yeah. kind of not thinking that far down the road yeah no we
2: are for sure yeah. right so you know we actually um, we've instrumented our app pretty heavily. Uh, Richard yeah, has. So. And, um, and we look at everything. So we look at, um, we call them sort of like user journeys, right? Or, mm-hmm. or guest journeys. Um, so, you know, where someone was in town when they opened the app, and then, you know, where they wound up going when they were done, and what very pages cool. they looked at, and how many restaurants they clicked on before they got to the one that they went to, and, and um, trying to figure those things out. So we can get some preference data over time. Uh, by understanding this behavior, rather than having to actually have them tell us, I like to eat dinner downtown, we can just sort of see that over time, right? So really, Mahana can turn into a, like a real-time digital marketing platform for a restaurant to say, I need more guests, you know, in the restaurant. Let me reach out to people who are looking at the app right now, who are within a half mile of me. So cool. Um, who may have been here before, so they, they like my restaurant, or maybe they've liked a few dishes or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, let me entice them to come in maybe with something I can, you know, uh, throw them to, to get them to, to come to the restaurant. Or click a button here to reserve, whatever, right? So really, you know, thinking down the road, it turns into a, a digital marketing platform that, that can move uh, people to behave in certain ways and ship, get people to, um, you know, into restaurants and, and stuff like that. So um, it'll be exciting to see that kind of scale when we get there.
0: Yeah, that's that's very cool. That, that would that would uh, get me out of bed every morning just simply because <laughs> you, you you see the potential here, and this is the industry that that we're in. Would, the, the mobile space uh, can scale that quickly, and especially if you're providing enough value to your customers. So you're providing the value to them. How do you guys make money off of this?
2: Um, so you know, we we can charge consumers obviously to use the app. That would be a little bit silly. Um, it would but, be courier uh,
0: limiting, yes. Just so a bit. yeah. Um,
2: so um, our our business model is that you know we are um, planning on once we get some mass you know here in Austin of consumers, we'll turn charge restaurants you know sort of a, a nominal sub hundred dollar a month fee to have the basic CRM system to see those names and pictures and get the basic stuff in there. Um, but the real monetization would come in that digital marketing, right? The things that attract guests to actually come in and uh, and patronize a restaurant. So um, You know, Richard's built a pretty clever kind of closed-loop system um, to look at people that we can sort of filter down and say, you know, um, okay, who uh, has not been in our restaurant, you know, like in 10 days? It would be silly to push an ad at somebody who just ate here last night. Like I just ate there, and now they want me to come back. That'd be silly, right? So we can say, well, maybe who hasn't been here in 10 days, Um, and you know, who's looking downtown to go eat, or you know, who's had bourbon on their tab at least once, or who's you know average price per plate uh, on their tabs is above a certain threshold or whatever and then say great I want to segment and get something out of those people to entice them to come in and we can know who that universe of people is, we know in the app if they actually opened and saw the offer or not we know if they hit the beacon and when they hit the beacon we know from the point of sale integration how much money they spent when they were there so it's a, it's a very crazy and unique kind of very closed loop Of ROI in terms of the value of the marketing and what worked, and then how much you made because of how much you spent. So that's where our real monetization comes in—is in in actually sort of pay for performance in a way.
0: Yeah. So I I mean, would you take a referral fee, for example, because that scales much more much more quickly and far greater uh, than a monthly fee, right?
2: Yeah, we could just say yeah. So the digital marketing is really is performance based. Yeah. So we'll say you know could be a small percentage of the total tickets or some other sort of method.
0: Yeah, I would even go for like the lifetime of the of the customer. That'd be the greatest thing. It's like if this is a new customer and they've never been in here in the scale of, of you know you using Mahana, uh, every time they bring in it, every customer that they bring in as a result of it, then you are pretty much it's like any. Need...
1: Hey, Rob, it sounds like we might have a new Canadian salesperson. Exactly, I'm
0: in. I'm in. We get, we, get, we sell poutine and beaver tails up here, and I'm pretty sure that this would be the perfect thing for them. Um, I, I, no, the other thing I think about, we talked about a little bit about payments. Like, no, nobody's ever complained about paying in cash and all these kind of things, right? You know, the world is now um, rife with uh, mobile payment processors, and everybody's in the mobile payments business, and everybody's trying to battle over these percentages, which I find is is uh, is funny um, because the most portable. You know, currency right now is still the U.S. dollar. Uh, you know, it's accepted everywhere, um, up here in Canada and in Botswana and anywhere. Right, the U.S. dollar is still the single most accepted uh, mobile payment. But do you guys ever look at models like uh, like Uber, for example, and think, God, if we could scale to this point? Uh, why wouldn't we just be like the Uber of for restaurants? So, you know, you walk in, we know who you are, we know what the menu is like, we know what you like to eat with your selection of wine, like we've gone through this whole episode. And then they get up and walk out, and, and, and then you've created this completely frictionless, great experience with no bill, no awkwardness, where it's just. Through Mahana, the payments happen, and uh, the restaurant gets their cut. You get your percentage because it's a new business model. Have you ever thought about that kind of utopian view of of that restaurant experience? Or did I just give it give it away? Or am I way off my thought
2: about it for sure? And uh, you know, I'm not going to say we built that just to make sh- just to see if it actually worked, but um, it's really not that hard.
0: Fair enough. But I, I I think like that's the experience that you would hope to to have, right? Where there's you, you walk in you're served everything's paid you don't have to worry about it you, um and, and it's like that black car service that uber brings right silence Absolutely. okay that's fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm going uh i'll take that as a silent answer um my last question here is how do you, how do you guys scale like how do you how do you guys see this kind of rolling out um because it, it could work in a city but um do you worry about other people taking this idea or do you, how do you how do you scale this across the country and then and then get as big as you need S- to get
1: you know, it, it's interesting, Rob. Uh, ideas, you know, float around in the ether all the time. It's all about execution. Yes. I uh, there's very few things that I, I would feel uncomfortable telling a competitor of ours because it's just painful to go through and do point of sale integration and build software that exists on all the point of sale terminals that can show your picture. Um, you know, two people can run the race, but only one has to finish. Right. So is this a slow and steady piece for you guys?
2: Like
0: you, you, you or do you, do you go through that process uh, in Austin? You you yeah. iron it all out and then you just roll.
2: Yeah, we're measuring everything in Austin. You know what it takes to get consumers to use the app, what the sell cycles like at restaurants, how the operationalization of things goes, and deploying beacons and what that takes. So, um, you know, for us, it's probably a, a city by city. Rollout strategy, mm-hmm. um, much like a Zipcar or Uber or, Uber or any yet. other sort of like so. Um, so the world, the internet, investors are familiar with city-based rollout strategies um, for us. So that's probably what we're what we're looking at. And then um, we'll go pre-sell restaurants in a market, basically sign up a whole bunch of them, and then we'll get consumers loaded on when there's when there's restaurant and content and places to go inside the app. So gotcha. um, we'll um, we'll take that approach to getting. Um, getting things ramped up in a particular city. Yeah, and,
1: and Rob, just in case anybody is interested, um, those cities that have a lot of downloads, because when you download and install the Mahana app, we know where you're located. Those are going to be prioritized over others that don't have any consumers. So I'm not saying that your local meat market uh, you know, <laughs> will be have any competition for knowing you, but uh, the restaurants up in uh, Ottawa might uh, get a run for their money uh, if you start uh, having your friends install Mahana on their phone. Download
0: it. Download it. Yes. Um, well, I, I think that that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, you know, certainly uh, the ability to distribute across the country and around the world really does show you where your next market is. And, uh, and uh, you're doing advanced marketing um, and advanced awareness making because of that. So I think it's, it's very fascinating. Uh, this whole this whole conversation is fascinating to me because you know it starts off as a technology right like you're solving a problem you're going to leverage all the technology but it, what it ends up being is in the background which is exactly where it should be right all of this information doesn't require a lot of activity it requires the user to download an application uh let it let it run it requires the end what does the restaurant need it just needs a beacon and uh, integration in their pos that's it right yep
1: Absolutely, so and, and really, it's just a beacon to let them know that you're there. Yeah. And then uh, some some device, their existing devices, their normal touchscreens that they have at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, we actually present your information right on those, so they don't have to buy any new hardware. And we we give them the beacon for free.
0: That's so simple, and that's that's what this technology should be enabling. That simplicity of, and and the benefit, the small tap on the shoulder that says this person requires a gluten-free menu. Right. That's that right there is invaluable, and but it can't be overt. Right? It just can't be complicated, and it can't require a, a change of behavior in the people that are that are implementing this, like the servers or the the hostess, right? Um, all right, last question. I'm impressed. I love what you guys are doing. I'm yes. going to take it to a completely different direction. What has inspired you guys uh, when you look around? Uh, you you know what companies out there are you looking at? What apps have you looked at? What do you, you guys use on a regular basis that inspires you to do what you're doing with uh, with Get Mahana?
2: Yeah, I mean, you already mentioned it's kind of the Uber experience, yeah. right? Um, You're not
0: the first. I, like everybody says, Uber. I love that. But
2: yeah, it's not in Austin, unfortunately. We wish it was, yeah. but um, you know, we travel frequently to cities that do have Uber, and like we use it and we love it, right? Yeah, um, it's convenient. It's simple. Makes my life better, right? And that's, I think, the the sort of the the guiding light for us is like we want to give people stuff that just makes their lives better, yeah. right? in Every aspect. And if we can do that, I think we'll have a winner.
0: Wow, these guys have just changed everybody's perception of what good service is, haven't they?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the the whole
1: concept of and and I think you you mentioned earlier that really good technology is 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 invisible. It's in the background. It just works, and it makes life so good for everybody. Um, With Mahana, we have uh, with iOS seven point one. We've now got hooks into the uh, operating system where you don't even have to have Mahana running yeah, on your phone, yeah, but right. iOS is listening for our beacon and it'll open up and it'll send it to the restaurant without you doing anything. Uh, that is elegance oh. and simplicity. That's beautiful. Oh.
0: All right, so where should we send uh, people? Just to get Mahana.com?
1: We have 12 um, restaurants in Austin to send them to. 12 uh, and restaurants. And they should download the app before they get there.
0: Yes. <laughs> Well, if you'd like some more information about these guys, go to Get Mahana. That's get, G E T M A H A N A dot com. Get Mahana it means warm and engaging in Hawaiian. Uh, and that's exactly what you would expect a good embrace from the restaurant that you go to every day. I hope that, that restaurant that you go to every Monday for 42 consecutive weeks is now hugging you. I mean, that's like Absolutely. you've escalated that relationship to a big hug.
1: I'm a hugger. So they get hugs every time.
0: Well, and should we prompt people to download the application as a flag to say, hey, come, come, come over here to my city? Come to my city.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Yep.
0: Do you have plans to roll out? Like, like, are are you still in your? You're still in your testing phase, right?
2: Right. Yes, sir. Still testing here in Austin. So um, we haven't exactly named the next uh, cities, but um, Mm. we'll definitely look at the activity in downtown cities, and then we'll be letting you know when it comes to a city near you. You should do a.
0: uh, You should do that as a as a marketing ploy. uh, You know, to get the restaurants. Who uh, who are the you know the restaurants that you think would be targeted to in in those cities and say uh, you know put up a little vote for us on getmahana.com and uh, and that's how a good way to get customer engagement uh, from those cities. But you've thought of that.
1: Well, and when you sign up for Mahana on the actual app, one of the first messages you get is. Asking you what city you'd like to see it in. Yeah. So we are collecting that data right through the same system that gives the communication channel from the restaurant tour right to their guest. That love open it. line of communication. I uh, love it.
0: Well, I love what you guys are doing. I'm so glad we got this time to uh, spend together to go through exactly what uh, Mahana is. Uh, please go and visit them at getmahana.com. And if you are looking for this in your city, just go download the application and and have your vote. Let them know that the voice. Is, I don't know about Ottawa. It's not a very strong um, technology adoption. Like if you looked at Austin as like the the you know especially around South by Southwest as the 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 most fluid adoption of anything of any city anywhere in the world around South by Southwest, and you use that as your kind of barometer, and then you you emanated like we're so far away from the pulse that it's like, you know I I've never been in a swarm in Foursquare simply because there aren't that many users in Ottawa. So. You know, when you go to San Francisco and you land, you're part of not a, you know, like a torrent. Uh, so right. uh, I'll do my best Stop here. You might just get one vote. No it'll, problem. It'll, it'll that, be that's mine. a very
1: important vote. <laughs> it will be.
0: Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. We've been uh, speaking with Brian Minnell and Richard uh, Bagdonas. Nice. That's eh? correct. Yeah. Uh, they are the co founders of Mahana. Go to getmahana.com right away. And uh, take a look at what these guys are doing. And if you have had the experience inside the restaurant, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at rob at untether.tv. If you use this application, I'm sure they would appreciate hearing from you as well. But I appreciate you guys who are listening, watching, wherever you may be. Thank you for doing this. It means a ton. And we will see you next time on untether.tv. Guys, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Um, thank you. Our pleasure.